and welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. We're a podcast for cool people who love libraries where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oaklawn Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. My name is Sue. I'm the director of the Brownell Library in Little Compton, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, and I'm Kristen. I'm the director of the Island Free Library on Block Island, about 14 miles off the coast of Rhode Island. My pronouns are she and her, and hello, all you cool people out there. (laughs) So, um... I don't know if you could tell from their intros, but you both are here to chat with us a little bit later in the show about running some of the smallest libraries here in the smallest state Um, and also some of the branches near the beach. So they get a lot of seasonal patrons. So we'll talk all about that a little bit later in the show. But before we get to that, we'll start off as we always do with what have you been reading? I just finished um, Before the Coffee Gets Cold. That is um, a short piece of fiction. You know, always the debate in our library, is it science fiction when it's about time travel? Or is that a real thing? (laughs) Does that just go in fiction? So um, that is a time travel piece. And it was translated from the Japanese. Um, And uh, it was recommended by my coworker. And it was good. I'm not sure I liked it as much as she did, but I liked it. And so that's before the coffee gets cold. But I would say that this was an interesting translated book. Very interesting. I was a little picky about it and and wondering about it. I'm not usually that finicky. That's not something that would stand out for me. Well, I think for Japanese particularly, there is a lot of of like localizing that translators to English have to do because they just have Mm -hmm. like words and phrases that don't exist in our mm-hmm. language and and their idioms are very different than ours and this is mostly from what i've heard from people doing translation of like anime and manga that comes from japan mm-hmm. um so i know anime a lot like translators will have to like rewrite jokes in mm-hmm. order for things to play for an american audience or an english speaking audience because it's just like there's so many cultural things that like you would have to know about japanese culture to even get like why that idiom was a thing or why that joke was funny things translated from japanese like think go through a lot of layers i could tell that um and it's interesting your first two questions what are you reading what are you watching because i'm a little bit of a midnight diner fan which is a tokyo series and i did think about that series while reading this translated japanese book you know this idea of what, what 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 does this look like and what does tokyo look like and um yeah it was interesting i hadn't thought of that till you just said that but definitely midnight diner is uh i'm gonna think about that as i reflect on this book so i haven't heard anything about midnight diner that's a funky little series on netflix um about a man who runs a diner from midnight to 7 a.m and about the customers that he has and his regulars at his you know he has like a 10 seater 10 top counter and it's about the food that he cooks and the people that come in. And so there's some reoccurring characters, there's some not. And it's a little bit about nothing. You know, it's a little bit about a Japanese diner Seinfeld kind of thing. Um, and it, but I find it great. I find it very relaxing. And so, and I don't know much about Japan at all. So, or their food or their culture. So it's been fun for me. Yeah. 
That does actually sound like a lot of yeah. fun. I might have to look that up. I'm about halfway through Enigma Game by Elizabeth Wine, and it's a teen fiction historical uh, about World War II in Scotland. Um, she wrote Codename Verity, which was absolutely wonderful, and so I am thoroughly enjoying Enigma Game. What are you reading, Taylor? I am kind of in between books right now. So I had already talked about this last week that I had finished um, Kid Gloves. And I have one of her other graphic novels, French Milk, on my nightstand waiting for me to start. And I also have a book called Project 333, which is about like minimalistic capsule wardrobe. But I haven't started that either. But I've been curious. I've seen people in kind of like the minimalist wardrobe and like people talking about the difference between like fast fashion and, and trying to do slow fashion. So like buying things that are are thrifted or previously owned or buying things that are made more sustainably than most things that you buy in stores are talking about this idea of like three, three, three. Um, but like I said, I haven't even picked up the book. So from what I've heard about it, I think it's something about that you have like, you have like 33 pieces and that's supposed to last you for like three months, like each season, I guess. Like I said, I haven't jumped into it. So not exactly sure what it's about, but I know it's about like the idea of a minimalist capsule wardrobe and, and really pairing your wardrobe now. And I don't even know if I'm going to do it. I was just curious about it because I'd heard stuff about it. And I was like, let me read the book and find out like <laughs> from the person who came up with this concept, what it's exactly about. But I like clothes a lot. So I don't know if I'd be able to, uh, <laughs> to pare it down quite that much. I love that I asked you that question because we have been talking about that amongst the staff. We have a general consensus about ethical clothing and um, those practices. And I have not been able to remember the word capsule. I kept calling it like pod, you know, one color scheme and all the colors were, and I could not remember capsule. So that's fun that I, that you just said that. Well, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank you <laughs> um but yeah so if that's it for books um is there anything interesting that you have been watching lately i've been doing kind of a uh mixed bag because my husband i love i've been watching bridgerton and i've been really enjoying it but it's so not my husband's thing so I watch NCIS when he's around and I watch Bridgerton when he's not. So it's, <laughs> but uh, lots of streaming. And I, uh, I don't do too much t regular TV. I do some Netflix and I'm, I, I like a foreign mystery uh, detective, you know, series on Netflix. Um, and I'm very excited because my second season of Lupin just aired. And I mm -hmm. thought he was terrific in the first season. Uh, so that's exciting for me. That's one of the few uh, things that we agree on. So I will be watching Lupin too once we, yeah. <laughs> he will watch that also. So yeah. Boy, he was super in that first series. He was so good. And I, yeah. when I watched it, I remembered how much I loved him in, um, what is it, when he's in the, when he's the caretaker, The Impossibles. What? Oh my gosh, it's so good. He takes care of the quadriplegic in Paris. You have huh, to, I'll have to find oh, it. 
Oh, you gotta find that. That's a great movie. That with uh, Hollywood made an American remake of that, um, but the this version is is really really good. He's okay. great in that. Um, that, that was, I think it's the uh, Jeepers, the Imposters, the Impossibles, something like that. That's okay. I'm a librarian. I can find yeah, it. You can figure that out. <laughs> and the cool yeah. people out there can figure that out. They, yes, yeah, they're all shouting at us right now. They're like, it's called this. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We, we'll include everything we mention in the notes for the show. Because I forget authors, like, notoriously. I never remember the author of, yeah. of things that I'm reading. Um, so I'm like, it'll be down there. We'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, Going to back to this idea of like translation and things that require like some degree of translation. So this weekend I had watched In the Heights because uh, it came out simultaneously the theaters and on HBO Max. So I watched it on HBO Max. Um, it's a musical. It was Lin-Manuel Miranda's first musical before he got really famous writing Hamilton. And a lot of the songs were like partially in Spanish. So a lot of, I well, I, at the top, I'll say separate from this thought is that I, I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was such a fun show. And it was so colorful. And it had this kind of like, magical realism things sprinkled in of like every once in a while they will have things happening on screen that obviously couldn't have happened in real life like at one point there's like this whole choreographed thing that's happening up across a apartment building like they're they're dancing as if they are like defying gravity and dancing up the wall and it was so cool um but the thing I wondered about while watching was like how much more I would have gotten from it and understood of it if I understood Spanish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like there was a lot of layered meaning that I missed. And so I'm curious if I didn't watch it with closed captioning because I wanted to just kind of enjoy the movie, but I almost want to go back and watch it with closed captioning. And I'm curious if their closed captioning in English is translating that stuff or just transcribing it. So I'll have to see because maybe I'll... Uh, if the closed caption is translating the Spanish into English for English closed captions, then maybe I'll pick up on some of the stuff that I missed. Yeah. Now they, there's been some teen books lately published that have a lot of Spanish sprinkled in it too. And the ones that I read, I don't read or understand Spanish either. And it's the same thing. You wonder what you missed. Um, I also, I read international mysteries and I really liked the um, Henning Menkel series um but i didn't like the books because i didn't like the translation mm -hmm. it was the the language bothered me enough that i stopped reading them but um uh, the wallander series but i watched the swedish tv series of it subtitled on netflix but i i kept starting the books and saying yeah no <laughs> it's not i know what they want to say but they're not saying it and it yeah. just bothered me so much that i couldn't do it <laughs> Yeah, so it's just interesting how things lose things sometimes. Yeah. It makes it like, I, I just wish if they ever invent a thing where I could just like download full languages into my brain, I would, because I'd want to know all of them. But like, I just right. don't have the time or energy to, to be able to learn all of them. But people who are like genuine polyglots blow me away. Yeah. People who know like, like four or five languages and are, and are like, mostly fluent in all of them yeah. completely mm -hmm. blow me away because I'm like just the, the amount of brain power <laughs> that goes into that it's amazing 
I agree. That is amazing. Yeah. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. Users of Cranston Public Library can now access their favorite digital magazines using Flipster. Flipster offers an easy, browsable reading experience. Users can browse magazines by category as well as perform searches for specific titles. An online newsstand provides a carousel of most recent issues as well as a carousel of all issues, allowing for quick access to magazines. Go to cranstonlibrary.org and click the link online resources you can use now to find more information on how you can access Flipster. Flipster also has an app available on Android and iOS. The library is launching a new collection, School Tools. Check out tools, toys, games, and interesting objects for learning and play from the Central Library, including a microscope, toy cast register, robots, and more. The tools are meant to support parents who are teaching at home and encourage kids to pursue their passions. If you have suggestions or feedback for this new collection, email emily at emilybrown at cranstonlibrary.org. So transitioning into what you both came here to talk to us about, do you want to start off with just a little description of your library and, and your communities to give people kind of a picture of, of what your library is like? Sure. So um, Little Compton is has about 3,700 full-time residents. Um, from what I understand, because I'm a new director here, um, the population doubles to almost triples in the summertime with a combination of people who have summer homes in the community and people who come and rent um, houses uh, for the week or month or whatever. Um, the Brownell Library is um, about 2,700 square feet. Um, it looks like a house um, with bookcases around all the rooms. We have two full-time staff and two part-time staff. And so we go, and I've only been here since March, but we go from 40 or 50 people a day in the off season to um, 100, 150 people a day. Um, and we usually have three people working, but if anyone's out, then it's a, it's a busy day. <laughs> it's a very busy day. Um, and there are a lot of people take bike rides down here, I've discovered, because we have a lot of bike, bicyclists gathering in the common, which is across the street, and then they come in to use the bathroom and get water. <laughs> and so that's already started. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, apparently it's a whole different building in the summertime. Yeah, because so if you started in March, this is going to be the first summer that you've yeah. seen as fully as you are open, because I don't know what every system is doing, but way, way yeah. more open than last summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we're we're fully open and have been um, for quite a while. And I was in Portsmouth before this, and Portsmouth does have um, a summer group of folks as well. It's just not quite the the startling difference that it is here. Yeah, uh, Block Island is very similar. We uh, also have second home people and renters. And then into that mix, we add day trippers. We have people that come to hotels uh, for the weekend or just a day tripper. Just come on the ferry in the morning and go on the ferry in the afternoon. Um, So we have about a thousand people that live here year round. 
that number probably went up a little bit during COVID. I'm, not, I'm starting to get a little bit of a different perspective. Um, lots of people really did move here or come to their second homes to live, you know, start living year round or to at least live here during the past, you know, year and a half of COVID. So that was an interesting change. But of course, they weren't you know, we didn't feel that right away because they weren't coming right out and going to the library. That wasn't the first thing people were doing in the past 16 months. So, um, you know, we're similar to Sue in that respect of, of the different uh, classifications and genres of people. We have lots of people, you know, like she just said, that come in and use our restroom and, and a drink of water or just even to cool off for a second or to ask, you know, we become like this second chamber of commerce sort of building where, where should we eat? What's the best beach? What's the best trail? Where's the doctor? How do I find a policeman? You know, all of that gets asked at our desk. And I guess to, as a, you know, this, I think this question was about describing your library. So we're very welcoming. We're, we're, we're always proud that we're what we call family friendly. Kids are, kids talk in here, families talk in here. On top of that, we always maintain quiet workspaces so you can get work done here. You know, to know on Block Island, there's not great internet and anywhere. We're not connected. Um, each individual household is not connected yet, and businesses are not connected yet to a fiber network that we're building. But we advocated for the library to be included in a community anchor program, which means the library, the police station, the town hall, the school, and the medical center all are connected to the fiber network. We, we did that in phase one. And so we're, we're jumping. People come here to connect. We're, we're it. This is where you come. Um, and so on top of, you know, so the, in the end, what that looks like is everybody always says, oh, you're such a community center. This, this, you're almost like a community center. And, you know, as delicately and as politely and as nicely as I can, like, no, we're the library. <laughs> this is what libraries do now, right? Like this idea of like, you can't be a library, you're a community center. And so really like, you know, always articulating like, no, we're the library. And, and, and now, you know, now I've come to say, and we're the center of the community, right? Like mm -hmm. this whole twist on that, like, so that would describe us, you know, this center of community, not much else going on. So by default, we're busy. Um, you know, some librarians are, are looking for teens to come in and looking for kids to come in and looking, you know, like we have them, the school bus stops out front, they all get plopped off and come right in here. So, and then in summer, which I think is where the conversation is going, you know, we totally change gears. We serve this um, visiting population um, again, whether you're visiting for a day, a week, or or three months, it's a it's a visiting population, and and the needs are totally different. Um, so it keeps us on our toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was surprised too that Little Compton is not fully wired for um, internet, and so we do a lot of hotspots, even among the. Um, the full-time residents um, because there are places where it just doesn't go. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, Aquidneck Island, everyone complains about the internet connection dropping and I, the, the all about Portsmouth page has also almost become like a, do you have internet page? Because um, it keeps dropping so much. And, uh, but it really is an issue in Little Compton as well. But. And that's something I didn't even, I wouldn't even have thought of yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I guess I thought Rhode Island's so small. Like, I don't think we really have, like, people talk a lot about rural communities being disconnected from, from like good broadband. And it was like, oh, but I mean, Rhode Island's small. So like, we're not, you know, even the rural areas are not that far away from another more populated area. But yeah, I hadn't even thought about the challenges of like literally getting fiber optics from the mainland to an island in the ocean yeah. or, yeah, or another part that's just like Yeah, Little isolated. Compton is connected and we still don't have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're rural for sure. <laughs> we fall into that. And uh, I knew Little Compton wasn't well connected because I've been around for a little bit. Um, and, you know, we've been the two issue spots for Ocean State Libraries, uh, Little Compton mm -hmm. and Block Island. It's been difficult to keep us on par with other Rhode Island libraries in that sense of what, what we get to offer. Uh, so, you know, we're hopeful about our broadband project, but but like Sue said, we're handing out spots, hotspots. We have 50. Good thing we had those on order because that was how Block Island kids went to school this past year. Um, and... And, and now our broadband project is delayed. So I foresee us having hotspots for a couple more years until this really gets, this second phase gets completed. But boy, you know, we could, uh, we could, we could book and book and book, overbook, double book. We, we could be rolling in it if we could charge <laughs> um, meeting room spaces. You know, everybody's trying to work through their vacation which could be another topic, but, you know, it's this sort of sad idea that, like, no, go to the beach, go to the beach. <laughs> this is what the libraries walk around. We're like subliminal messengers. We're like, boy, it's a beach day out there. <laughs> it's a nice beach day out there. Boy, I wish I could go to the beach today, you know, while we have this library full of people trying to work. Um, and so the, the private meeting room becomes an issue for us. Um, I don't know if that's true for you, Sue. You know, this idea that we're, we're rural and we're the ones connected and then we're small and we have finite space. So we yes. have like two spaces where someone could act like how we're behaving right now, right? You need to present, you need to go to a meeting, you're on a Zoom call, but they're booked all day, every day. I could, I could book 10 more of those every day easily. Yeah, we don't have any private space like that. So um, we are we like all the other libraries in the state are broadcasting outside our building, and we have a pavilion that was finished two years ago, um, which is covered and has power in it. And so we do see a lot of people out there doing their work and finding spaces in the building. But we're just a whole slew of rooms all connected, so we don't have any any private spaces at all. I, I threatened the staff the other day. I said, well, look, you know, we, we need to brainstorm a space here, like whether it's the archive room or maybe the trustee office that they don't use so much in summer. Like, can we brainstorm that? And I said, because otherwise it's going to be our staff room. <laughs> they were like, no, we need that as the sanctuary. And I was like, then don't double book the rooms. <laughs> we better yeah. get very good at that calendar. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm hearing, you know, that there are there are trials and tribulations to, uh, you know, to running a small library, particularly in the types of communities that you guys reside in. But I was also curious about what your favorite part of working at a small library is. I guess so I um, I haven't been enjoying the fact that I do a little bit of everything. 
Um, I was referencing teen and technology before I came here, and um, I'm still having those kind of days, which I really like. I'm not sitting in uh, office space writing policy. I really like the idea that I'm out and about and doing all kinds of different things. Um, one of the things that I was told by everybody when I came here was that they loved the staff and they loved the idea that people could come in and they knew who you were immediately. Um, and a lot of the people who walk in the door are greeted by name. And it's really important anywhere, but in a small community, it's doable to be able to say, hey, how you doing? And they really, um, two of the staff members live in town. And so they really have a close connection with the community. And apparently the summer people come back and are offended when we don't know their names. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so um, I have been able to come in and say, well, I don't know who you are, so you have to give me your card. But, um, you know, they kind of expect that we will just check things out to them. And, and because we know who they are, we know what books they like, you know, the, the one-on-one -on -one attention um, is really what's expected. But it's been a, um, for me, it's been a really, um, really nice welcome to this community as an outsider from Portsmouth, um, which is actually a thing. And um, um, I just, I like the, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now. That's great. I, I agree. I love being a director of a small library. I, um, I love putting books in people's hands and knowing what they read and um, and then getting to follow up with them. Hey, did you like that one? Did you not? Did you try this one? What have you read? You know, I, I, I agree with all of that. Um, and we're, we're training someone new to staff right now this week. And so, you know, to Sue's point of like knowing people's names and this expectation of like, you know, you know who I am, my, my grandmother has been coming to this library for longer than you have, you know, that kind of thing. You know, the trick is, is that when you use the library card, you get to learn the name, right? And so when they don't have a library card, you know, I train people to say, well, could you spell your name for me? Um, you know, and that, that will work most of the time until their name is like Bob Smith and, and then you're busted. <laughs> then they're like, yeah. then they know, then they know your game. <laughs> the game yes. is over then. But uh, yeah, it, it's that Sue, that sounds, that sounds like we're, we're in similar situations there. That idea of, you know, that it's really their library. And, and of course I love that, that that's how they think about it, right? That it's their library. So that's a line we walk. Um, and I also like, as Sue said, I like that my day is different. I can come in thinking I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And you know what? All of a sudden, I'm doing A, B, and C. And uh, and that's okay. Um, that, that keeps me on my toes and the staff on their toes. And it keeps us fresh and current and the building functioning. Um, and so that's kind of fun. Except yeah. when it's like plunge the toilets. That's never fun, yeah. you know. Or B is like go clean up the front yard. Uh, there's tons of cigarettes. Or you know those yeah. those kind of jobs are not as fun. <laughs> but we still take pride in our building and our grounds, and so we put on gloves and do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's been my one advantage is that I'm terrible at names and faces anyway. And so starting in the midst of a pandemic, everyone had a mask on. And now as they're slowly unmasking, I can actually say, well, I didn't recognize you and get away with it. But probably not for very much longer. But I love the people who come in with hats, sunglasses and masks and are offended that you don't know who they are. And <laughs> There is no bit of your skin, you know, I can't yeah. recognize you by your ears. So. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't know you if you were my son. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, but yeah, I'm going to be busted soon because they're going to realize that I really, really am terrible at names. So, <laughs> but. but yeah, and a, and a lot of the stuff that you guys have been talking about, I also like find somewhat relatable just as being a branch librarian at one of the smaller branches in Cranston. Um, so you were talking about being able to do a little bit of everything. That was like one of the main reasons I applied for this job and, and was really excited about this job is because I was going to be able to, because I, I, I'm the only librarian here. So I'm the children's librarian, the teen librarian, the adult services librarian. It, it's just me here. So I really, so I, I can see the appeal in that too, because that was a big, that was a big uh, reason why I, I was excited about this job and was able to get my hands into a little bit of everything. But yeah, also being the only, you know, librarian here means that, yeah, some other catastrophes or other problems are also your problem. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is less fun, but. I would say a highlight for me, too, is I have a really good youth services librarian, and uh, she does great preschool programs, toddler programs, middle school, you know, all, all that stuff. And then, you know, I can see us developing and needing a teen services librarian, which still falls under her category. But my son has been a teen in this town. He's 17 now. So, you know, for the last five years, I, I was sort of really working for those kids. I had a had a had a dog in that fight and was recognized it was really hitting home the lack of things for those kids to do. Um, and and so so when I can connect with a teen and a teen uses this library and a teen um, says to me, thanks so much, you made such a huge difference. Um, I couldn't have done X, Y, and Z without you. Um, th those are highlights. Those are definitely highlights. When, when you get a teen who makes an ally with a library and you know that they carry that forward with them now, um, that's a real highlight for me. Because I feel like they're like the toughest crowd to please. So when, yeah. when, when you got one that was like, thank you and really appreciative and just mm -hmm. like, even though you got it right, that you were like, I'm going to pick out a book for you. And then they were like, that book was great. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, absolutely. I also came from teen services, so I have a special place in my heart for teens. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just I obviously just came from teen services as well. And and uh, yeah, even if you can connect with one person, it also helps you realign what you think a successful program is, because if you have a teen program and three kids show up, you are over the moon. But if you'd had a program for adults and three people came, you'd just be so depressed. You wouldn't. And so it definitely makes you kind of realign your expectations for program attendance or participation in anything. So, um, yeah, we had a book club and there normally are a lot of people and only two people came. And I was like, that's a win. You had two people. And the person who was running, it was like, no, but there should have been 10. I said, but you had two. So you're good. And uh, <laughs> it really makes you reassess what is success. But yeah, having anybody come and, and say thank you for anything that they get out of the library. Um, I helped a lot of people in Portsmouth do um, technology things and apply for things and, you know, get even get their plane ticket, boarding passes done and, and unemployment and it, jobs and all this stuff. And anytime anybody comes back and says, Hey, you know, you made an impact in my life. It's, it's, uh, it's why I'm here. So. Definitely. Um, and so Kristen, I think I got it from that answer, but I, I was curious. So you live on Black Island. You don't commute there. You're 
one of the residents who's there year round. Yes, correct. Um, it, you could probably you could commute in summer. There's enough ferry service to commute in summer, but in winter it would be more difficult. Um, and my position, I have full time hours and and in charge of the building, you know, by default. So yes, I live here, um, and you know, I think we all live here. Everybody on staff lives here. Uh, we, we again, we could probably take someone you know, part-time or an intern or something during summer, but in it, the full-time positions are year-round residents here. Yeah. Yeah. And we're very connected. We're, we're, we, we all know each other. We know their kids, their, their kids, kids, their grandparents, their cousins. Um, and that is usually all fine until, you know, you disagree with someone or you don't like what the town council is working on or something comes up where, you know, you, the library could have been effective and wasn't included, you know, whatever that, whatever that looks like. That's probably not a great example. We're usually always included. Um, but, uh, you know, there can be moments. It can be challenging living in a small town. Um, it, it, it can be challenging. Um, and then being inundated, right? So Sue said, you know, sometimes it's, you know, a couple thousand more sometimes, you know, like on Block Island on a given Saturday, um, we could have 10,000 uh, visitors, and that's a lot. That would be a lot for a town that's used to living with 1,200 people. Um, so everything sort of changes. Um, it's it's interesting. We we call it tidal, like it's the ocean, right? Like the tides, <laughs> it gets to be high tide, and it's a crazy Saturday, and then the tide goes out, and it's a quiet Sunday afternoon, and then you start gearing up for next Friday. <laughs> That's a really lovely way to think of it, you know, just to, that because that yeah, nature nature is changeable, yep. the ocean particularly, and so yep. you know, it's it's just the natural order of things. Right. Well, and you started with seasonality, right? So it's similar to that. It's this idea of seasons and tides, and and it's ever changing. It's ever changing, and I think. You know, we could talk about small libraries, but I always hope they're really just examples, micro examples of bigger libraries, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Cranston's probably always changing, right? Providence Public Library is probably always changing. Warwick is probably always changing, too. Um, I, I, I get sometimes I get a little frustrated that we're like the unicorn out there, you know, like, well, that's just because of where, you know, Block Island. But actually, I'd like for people to think, well, that's kind of a cool little example. Could we make that work in our town um, I, instead of being this obscure unicorn like library? It's really like, well, no, here's an example. And we think that on Block Island about a lot of things like we're the micro of the macro. So it's not only about librarianship, it's about your fire department and your school and your local newspaper, like whatever that is, we're, we're always priding ourselves that we're the micro to your macro and, and what, can we, what can we help you with? Um, instead of being like, you know, weirdo islanders. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true because we're doing all the same things that larger libraries are doing it. We're just doing it on a smaller scale with fewer people. And so you still have the library of things and the book clubs and the programs and the hotspots and the summer programs for the kids and those story times and the, except we're doing it with, you know, three FTE. <laughs> so, um, you know, so we all wear a lot of hats doing a lot of things and, um, but it's all the same services. You know, you can, 
you know, fill out your job application anywhere with and get help from the librarian or borrow the book or whatever. Um, so a library is a library is a library. It is. <laughs> and we say no library is an island. <laughs> we're, we're working on some new merch. One of them is, um, came for the beach, stayed for the library. <laughs> You can vote on that. Came for the beach. For I the like library, that one. And uh, no library is an island, which which is really growing on me this week. That that one I'm really liking these days. <laughs> yeah, those are great. So uh, we wrap up the show with a segment I call the last chapter, where we talk about a library or bookish related question, just to discuss it for a little bit. Um, so this week I thought I would ask you both, what do you use as a bookmark? Well, I'm actually kind of boring. I actually use bookmarks because I'm surrounded by them. So <laughs> um, sometimes it'll be an envelope, but mostly it's it's a random bookmark that's close to me. Um, boring in that respect. <laughs> I'll I'll go with what's close to me, and it's a great question uh, because it it goes back to the beginning about the ethical clothing. So one of the companies that I like to wear clothes from is called New Works. N O O W O RKS new works and because they're ethical and conscious they you know pay they uh, safety pin in a tag and usually that tag is my bookmark I guess <laughs> <laughs> I can't quite throw them because they're like kind of not their bookmark size and they have a little they're just like a bookmark you know so um lately that's what I've been using that's great. Re recycling the clothes are, are good for the environment. And then you're even recycling the tag. Yeah. Um, I'm like kind of all over the place. But recently, I've been like you, Sue, because I've wrangled all the bookmarks at my apartment. It's crazy how organized you have to get when you drastically, when you drastically decrease the amount of living space that you're in um so because i moved from living in a house with my parents to living in an apartment um in october of uh 2020 and so um it also helps having a partner who is very neat and dislikes when things are not neat um but also it's just kind of like yeah, you kind of have to get all your stuff together and make sure that you put things where they're supposed to go because there's not really much other space for them to be. Um, so now I have all my bookmarks wrangled on my nightstand. But before I had done that, yeah, it was like sticky notes, envelopes, <laughs> tiny pieces of paper, basically just like anything. The glasses, the glasses that you read with. That's always good. That's so good for the book and the glasses, isn't it? Like as librarians, it's like the biggest no-no. Put that big chunky thing in your book. <laughs> mm. I have to say I read a lot of ebooks because I read a lot at night. And so um, I like the ebook thing because I don't have to turn on a light. I turn all the, you know, reverse the the um, contrast on the ebook and stuff. So um, a lot of I don't require a lot of bookmarks. I've accumulated a lot of them and I have a little collection of bookmarks that either don't stay in the book or seem to be too nice to possibly lose. And so those are actually wrangled, but I don't use them very often because they're lovely. <laughs> it's always a piece of paper or, yeah, I was walking around the library. I've been reading a book at lunch, an actual print book. And so um, kind of wandering around, grabbing something and, and uh, 
so I was standing near the Cirque desk and I was like, oh, I need something to, to keep my place. And there happened to be six bookmarks right there. So I was like, oh, I'll grab this one. <laughs> but yeah, the bookmarks that are too nice to actually use as a bookmark is kind of ridiculous. But I have those. <laughs> That's like, you get to have your own podcast. You get to come, about, come back and talk to Taylor about that. <laughs> the bookmarks that are too nice to use as bookmarks. <laughs> I read that once in um, Yankee. It reminds me of this thing I read in Yankee Magazine. This like will sum up an, an old school Islander. So um, it was like at the end of Yankee. I don't remember what those little quips were called, but it said, um, you know, he knew he was a New Englander when he went to his grandmother's attic and found the box of string labeled string too small to save. <laughs> <laughs> that is an Islander. Because, <laughs> you know, you know we're, we're, we can't get to a Home Depot quick enough. So we have to like, could be useful. We might need that someday. What if we need it? Well, you know, yeah, string too small to save. That's when he knew he was a, he was a Yankee, Swamp Yankee. <laughs> I think that's a teen librarian, the definition of a teen librarian too, because I used to keep all kinds of random things saying, well, I'll come up with something. Yeah. <laughs> We, we can use this in a program eventually. Yeah. And boy, did we, right? This last year with yeah. like all the take-home kits, we've used like yes. every single thing we had in here in storage. Yeah. Yeah, I like specifically made take-home kits separate from the stuff we were doing like as a system to clean out craft supplies that were here because I was like, yeah. when else are we going to use this? And people did like them. I, I The other day got a question from someone who was all like, but I, they, at first they called it something that I don't know what they called. I thought they called it like a prize or something. I was like, it wasn't a prize. They were just here um, <laughs> for you to take. Uh, but they were like, are there any more? And it was like, no, because I used up all my extra craft yeah. supplies. So it accomplished the thing I meant for it to accomplish. But yeah, yeah now it's like I used up all the random stuff I had accumulating here. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it was definitely good for that. All those take and make kits. Yeah. Um, so we will include, uh, links to the websites for both of your libraries so that people, if they want to find out exactly where you are and possibly come visit or just want to know mm -hmm. inf more information about what you guys are doing, um, that will be in the notes. Uh, but Kristen, quickly, do you want to mention your library's podcast? So sure. Thanks. Um, I started a podcast with um, the wellness and risk reduction um, administrator, and the uh, she has two positions, wellness and risk reduction, as well as chief um, operating officer. I think that's what it is, a CEO or COO, you know, this kind of language that libraries don't use, so, you know, one of those <laughs> medical business center terms we know nothing about. Um, she's a hotshot is what I'm saying. <laughs> and she, uh, is at the Block Island Medical Center. And when COVID first started, uh, she started to realize we were going to lose touch with our community and she was going to lose touch with her community. Um, and she asked me to start a podcast with her. And I said yes to that. I felt the same feeling she was feeling. How are we going to keep in touch? How are we going to keep communication open? How are we going to get information out? Um, and if you can think back to the beginning of that, you know, people were afraid and um, didn't have a lot of information, didn't have accurate local information. Um, it was overwhelming and isolating. Um, and so we were both very motivated. We started a podcast series called Wake Up Well, 
and we're on Anchor, which is hosted by Spotify as well. And we interview um, people that live on Block Island or visit Block Island or connected to Block Island and, and talk about wellness and wellness for the island and their wellness. And that has really shaped a conversation about um, connections to Block Island and connections to nature and land and water and what that looks like and and how you know we continue to take care of each other as a community. It's it's been great fun. But I, I love this. I love this though. I love this uh, you know, cool, cool people out there listening to library stuff. So, you know, that that's also great. But so people who are looking for other podcasts made by libraries, go and check out Wake Up Well. Um, if you want to reach us here at Downtime, you can do that by uh, emailing us at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. And now we have created a hashtag, which is hashtag DowntimeCPL. So if you want to talk to us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, we will be checking that hashtag. Please send your last chapter questions if you have any ideas for those. Um, and thank you both for joining me this afternoon and thank you everyone for listening and this has been another episode of downtime downtime is a project of the cranston public library and is produced by zach berger martha boxenbaum robin nizio and me taylor cardillo audio engineering by dave bartos our theme music is day trips by ketza and our ad music is happy ukulele by scott holmes Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. Remember to rate and review Downtime on Apple Podcasts. Connect with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. And if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, send an email to downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. Join us next week for more Downtime. You muted yourself. My phone was ringing. That's why I muted myself. So Dave, tell everyone at reference that I'll call them in like five minutes.